0: listening to That Running Show, a show dedicated to running, racing, shoes, gear, and the people who make our sport so special. Now, here are your hosts, Matt and
1: Matt. Welcome to That Running Show, a very special show. We've got a guest today, Jan Merrill-Morin. Who grew up in New London, Connecticut, competing in the 1976 Olympics for the 1500. She um, won two gold medals in the Pan Am Games, a silver medalist in world cross country, and was on two teams that won world titles in cross country. Um, she set the American record in the 1500, 3000, and 5000, and the world record holder for around five years in the 5000, and. Um, that just about does it. I think we've used up the entire time for our show, just announcing all of her accolades. Um, what do you but, think? Could I beat her? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but welcome. Th- thank, welcome to the show. You. Thank you. Um, now, um, thanks so much. Now, you've, uh, you are now coaching. That's correct. Old Saybrook. Yes. And uh, coaching um, men's yes, cross-country and uh, track.
2: I'm assistant indoor and the head boys coach outdoor for outdoor track.
1: Okay. Mm. And you've had quite the career in running
2: yes um started back um way back in at when i went attended waterford high school um it started out where basically I never really ran when i when I was under thirteen years old. I maybe jogged around the block or things like that, but I never did any formal type running until I got to Waterford high School and i believe nineteen seventy one um the only thing we had I did field hockey in the fall i did a a u swimming in the winter. An outdoor track in the spring and that was it that
1: was, now your oldest brother he does swimming as well yeah Is my, that my what, other uh, brother
2: uh Joby, he uh he uh he did he went to st bernard's and he was a very good swimmer he went on to swim at the uh, university of maine
1: okay yeah now uh being you're you're the youngest of three siblings actually
2: i i am the middle of five
1: the middle of five
2: i have uh, two younger brothers an older brother and older sister okay and my father was a big into the swimming thing. He swam right till when he was 90 years old in the master swimming.
1: So you were the rebel who started running.
2: Right. There you go. I never <laughs> thought of that. Yeah, right. I was the only real. I, I had a younger brother that ran at Lehigh University. But, um, yeah, I was the person that, I was an odd person out on that. Now,
1: when, at what point when you were younger, did you realize that you had a different set of skills than, than other runners your age? At that time.
2: Well, to begin with, when I was young, um, I remember being at a, a place in at Lake George where we went for the summers for a week, and it was like a YMCA-type camp thing, and uh, we'd all get into different groups in the morning, the kids and the family, and they had, like, one, one day they had a race, a running race. It was about a three, maybe a thousand-meter race, and I beat all the boys and girls, and I was only, like, ten years old, and my mother was swimming in Lake George, and she just saw, looked up and saw me way ahead of everyone, and I had this stamina. Right. I just had the stamina. I didn't know it. And um, so I did the swimming, and I did the swimming, and I did okay in it. I was one of the top swimmers in my event in the state, like top six for a while, but I wasn't fantastic in it. Okay. But I did it since I was eight years old until I was 17, my senior year in high school, I was a competitive swimmer. Okay. And um, I started outdoor track and, uh, my freshman year at Waterford High School, and I didn't know what I We had a decent team. We had girls that could run 520s in the mile, girls that ran 60 in the 400, and I really didn't know what to do, so I entered, she had, the coach had me do the 400 and the shot put. Okay. So I wasn't that good, and I finally, but I finally made it to the state meet. I ran mean, like 63 seconds or something like that and, and went to the state meet. And I also had qualified in the shot put, and I ended up sixth that year. And it's just a state meet for all girls. There was no classes. Mm-hmm. So I ended up sixth in the 400, I ran 63 seconds, and I was sixth in the shot put. No. How did she peg you as a shot putter? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I came from swimming, and I was just... Okay, uh, so you she, had yeah, your I shoulders. And, and, and I guess I, and I, I could always take a baseball and throw it really well, and I could always hit a baseball, you know, over the Little League fence. Okay. So I had hand-eye coordination. But because for females we didn't have all the sports such as Little League, all those things available, I just did YMC swimming. But I was this type of person that wanted to do everything. You know, right. I was, I was playing basketball. I was playing football out in the You know, I was really into it, and I could catch the ball. I had this coordination.
1: Okay, but uh,
0: excelling in swimming is what is what planted the seed that my cardiovascular might be so strong that maybe i'd I'd be a heck of a track runner,
2: maybe, yeah, or well, when I started running track i like I said, I started with the four hundred and it still hurt like swimming, and yeah, I, and so I really didn't run an eight hundred or anything until my sophomore year and and then the coach said I asked her if I could do the mile, and she said no. We're gonna wait because we have some other kids to fill that spot.
1: Okay. Yeah. So then, yeah. my
2: junior year, finally in a time test, time trial, she let me run the mile and I ran a 528 on a cinder track, five lane to the lap, cinder track. Yeah. Five Whoa. laps to the mile. And um, she goes, oh, you may, oh. may, have, may have a chance. And I, it came easy. 528 was like, oh.
0: Yeah. I, that, and that's,
2: that's th- with limited training. This is not like you're going out and doing a lot, it's like maybe jogging a couple laps doing three four hundreds you know and, and that's when I started to see I maybe have something here I didn't go out and take 10 mile runs or eight mile runs in high school or anything like that right yeah yeah, yeah. so
1: so when did you start separating yourself by your senior year yeah well
2: so after my junior year and I, I won the state mile in 800 and, you know 520 and two, 223 I'm not sure somewhere on 522 and anyway it was cinder track that summer my father And mother said that I could go to a swimming camp at Brown University for five weeks. And so I wanted to go that because I still wanted to pursue swimming. And I went there. And when I was there, there were Olympic type athletes, elite athletes training there. And I got very fascinated with this. And I would swim and swim and swim. And I was, I dropped weight, but I, and I got better. But I was never, I saw that I was never going to be that level. Okay. But at the same time, it was in 1974, I met. The guy that was coaching these olympic swimmer people named gambrell and he ended up being 76 olympic coach for swimming okay but he always told me you're working hard you're gonna you're gonna do it in something someday so i came home from this camp and i was like had trimmed i was like like i said my second sophomore year in high school i was second in the shot in the state in 35 feet okay so i just trimmed my body into a runner's body kind of it just not but it was more natural it wasn't like a diet or anything i just Trimmed a little bit, and I came back in the fall and started to feel hockey again. And I was really frustrated we didn't have cross country because right. I knew I could do it. So my mother took me to these AGAA Norm Higgins running cross country races on Saturday nights. Mm-hmm. And in the fall, I went to those, and there was a girl named Judy Fontaine who was turned was a great sprinter from NFA. She would always beat me in the end because she could sprint, but I had the stamina off of no training. Right. So that's when I said, fall all my freshman year, I, I'm gonna I got something here. I don't know what. So I did the field hockey, and at the end of that I, I still didn't really train a lot, but I, Higgins took me to some indoor track meets, and I ended up running a 455 mile at Dartmouth Relays, 456. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, and 455 at Princeton, beating a lady named Cheryl Toussaint, who had been in the Olympics in 72. Okay. So, but like I said, off of not a lot of training. I'm not having, I'm no formal training. It's just basic, you know, maybe once a week with Higgins doing an interval session, but nothing big. Now,
1: you come from a family of very decent athletes as well. Well,
2: my father was like is, was a very decent swimmer, and then he went on to do a lot of master swimming, swimming races and set American records and that. And my brother, Joby, was a state champion, uh-huh. and I believe in class in, at St. Bernard's High School. He was a natural swimmer. But now, my other brothers and sisters, they do stuff, but they weren't natural athletes. Okay.
1: So do you think and that- My mother
2: was an artist. She...
1: World-class <laughs> athletes are born or they're made-
2: I think they make themselves. I think it's part. It's. I think. What is it called? Um, it becomes intrinsic with a the person. They have to have it. Like I, I saw watch the Olympics in '68 and '72 on TV, and I said, "That's something I really want to have." Yeah. And and, and so.
1: So you were exposed to these athletes at a young age. These these well, Olympians at a young age. I was watching on TV. I didn't know. You saw them as coaches at swimming camp. And that exposure said, you know, this made, I was, it made it real for it you. It
2: made it real. And when I saw these athletes at swimming camp, they had to be pushed. And I'm saying, why do they have to be pushed? They should want it. You know? Right. Why do they have to be pushed? And the coach would, get in the pool, get in the pool. And, like, they'd wait and wait and they'd procrastinate. And I, I'd always be the first one in, you know, always doing it. And I wasn't the best. I'd get laughed, but I, my goggles would fall off. And <laughs> but, but I I still improved that summer in swimming. But I realized that, yeah. There's something different about me. I really want this. So You're you, wired differently. Wired differently.
0: Do you consider mental toughness to be something that's a responsibility of a coach to help? No, inst- you don't. Okay.
2: I think you. I think it, your responsibility is is to show people what what's to, what they have. What's there for them, and you can't tell them to be tough. I mean, I say that sometimes you got to be tough, and that just But if they're already tough, they don't need it that much. But that's just the way a coach – it's kind of a cliché of a coach.
0: Well, I was telling Matt earlier. Now, in me, it was something I loved and it was something that was competitive. And track lends itself to competing against yourself. So I agree that you do need to have that. However, I can tell you when I was um, – when I ran at UConn, the coach – at the time, would say to me, like, okay, so how many races, and this really stuck with me in terms of my mental toughness, Mm -hmm. how many races are you doing where you end up doing a race for so long, especially a cross-country race, where the person's 100 yards ahead of you? And mm-hmm. they've been hundred yards ahead of you for a mile or two. So they're, you're doing the same pace. He said. So why don't you go get the guy and then do
2: the same? <laughs> and <laughs> that that helped. That helps
0: my mental toughness. That, that aspect of it. Yeah, you know,
2: yeah. I can see where that would you know yeah. d- make suggestions about you know what you could do to be better. Mm-hmm. But sometimes in the long run, it's going to be d- between you and yourself and making a decision. Well, you know, 365 days of the year, it's going to hurt a little bit each day. And am I going to go through that process? You know, yeah. to get there.
0: And can you can you point them out can you you probably know pretty quick which ones are the ones that you don't really have to try to push whether you it, t-
2: it takes me time I mean it, it's it, you know like even at Old Sabre right now it, it, I'm starting to get a better feel for it and, and we've seen some improvements but it takes time but sometimes you know sometimes the ones that are right out there right away it's like no yeah no, you know but we had one uh, if I can say his name Lucas Sumby at old sure. Sabrick this year and I mean, I wasn't necessarily his event coach, but I was his coach. So we talked a lot. And right. he was just tough. I mean, he won the 100 hurdles. He did the pole vault. He did the 300-meter hurdles. He won all three of the state S and set school records. And then he went and won the state open. I mean, he did, even though it wasn't distance racing, he was just a tough athlete. Right. And I had see, not seen that a lot at Waterford High School. I mean, I saw some tough athletes. We had some great athletes. But this kid was tough, over and over, and it, it's repetitive nowadays because there's so many meets. Yeah. And every time you come up to bat, I mean, yeah. And that's, you know, that's what I'm looking and for. And there's
0: off-season meets, and then there's summer races. There's and other, I, mean, I mean back
2: then we didn't. I just had high school season, and I sometimes think maybe that's why I was successful afterwards. Because I didn't do too much in high school. Okay,
1: you didn't burn yourself out. No, I could see that.
2: Now, <laughs> yeah, I could.
0: I, I I bet I could have gone a few more years if Maybe. I didn't start when I was. I started when I was like ten, you know.
2: I mean, I didn't run a mile till I was a junior in high school.
1: <sighs> yeah. Now, did, yeah. Did, were you sought after by by colleges and the universities? No,
2: because that was the, that was the generation where we really had AIAW, but the N C A wasn't really going out there. There was no N C A. Okay. A a um, so. There were a couple colleges that had programs, but um, I figured I was going to stay home in college and train with Norm Higgins. and Yeah, that was your coach for see, a long time. He's well, coached co-
1: quite a few. Yeah, he's coached, at, you athletes. know,
2: um, so I, I just stayed home and, and went, like, Ames Valley, Mitchell, Connecticut yeah. College, I finally completed there. Right. Um I'm getting a little buzz.
1: Yeah, yeah, a it's it's it, it, there. It, we're outside. We're yeah, that's We're
2: informal. Yeah, for uh, for,
0: foremost, for so. our crew, we are, we are out <laughs> on the track. We're, <laughs> we're contending with a little bit of wind. You <laughs> probably hear, but and uh, the buzz. But so
2: yeah, so no, I really wasn't recruited. Now, and I'm thinking almost, you know, it's hard. You can't go back and redo. Would was that a blessing? Would I have gone to like a, a Villanova or a Stanford or or one of these big schools, and, and what I've found, the coach that was right to produce right for the Olympics and to set these times. And mm-hmm. Nowadays, of course, they are. They're, they're they're recruiting in athletes, and that's what they're doing. They're setting up a progression that's going to work for them, even though they are in college. It's and a lot more
1: scientific now.
2: Scientific. They're not burning them out by running five races at pen Relays and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But still, that student-athlete that student thing in college is tough.
1: At what point did you start, start wearing the big M on your... Or, oh,
2: that that's from Mainz, Germany. Oh, okay. West Germany. Uh, after my first year in... College. Now, for our
1: audience, you had an M on your chest, and people would look for that it's M to break out. Mi- yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. We had a training base in West. It my, wasn't West like West a Superman
1: Germany. thing. For no, you? No, like no, 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 <laughs> no, no.
2: And I had high knee socks, and that was way beyond before compression socks. Okay. Yes, but, many, <laughs> a many
0: a while before. But
2: my coach said to wear them to help protection for protection. He was a smart guy. I mean, this guy knew his stuff just differently than other people, and everyone right. thought it was peculiar, but it worked for me right so it was unique for me whatever my the way i was you know built
1: his his coaching was experiential not so much scientific but it worked it was like it it was
2: much like he used to say it's like he's out there working in the yard or doing a garden and you're planting a garden you may do it this way that way but it's kind of come out okay or a painting you're drawing a painting and you got to scribble at it and poke at it and this and this is how he did the training and and his his ideas and so a lot of people thought oh they're a little they're different, of course. They're different because they're, they produced an Olympian. Yeah, you know, 402, 1500. They gotta be. But he also based it also on. Um, he was coached by someone named Igloy, a Hungarian guy. If mm-hmm. you research it a little bit, in, um out in California, and he had a very disciplined, structured program, which it, the me- I still use that methodology a little bit with the kids. But it's very hard because they can't. You know, it's it's hard for them. But if you do it properly, it works.
1: Now, in, in your college career, that's when you really started booming. I mean, Well,
2: yeah, I went to college and... Um, Technical
1: college you went to, right? I went
2: to Thames Valley Tech for a year and a half. <laughs> and I, yeah. went to, I thought I was going to be a data processor, which...
0: I said, well, I, I spread up on you. I saw you had a math degree, and the first thing I thought about, okay, so she's working out the splits in her head when she's well, doing Well, I do that, too, though. There's <laughs> a lot of laps in the indoor 5,000 on a 200-meter uh, oh. bank track or whatever. But I, but I
2: do. I used to be racing. I knew the 1,000, the 500. I knew all those splits. Like, if you're doing 1,500, I broke it in three parts.
0: So when, when yeah. you – when you well, you have to. to 5,000, your... 1,500.
2: We broke it in three parts. See, that's – that's what you do. Yeah, that's so, that's depending. part of mental
0: toughness too. I mean, that's, right. for me, if I'm if I'm doing like a long tempo workout and I and sometimes the guys I'm with will do six or seven mile tempo on a track, it's pretty tedious. Yeah. So you do need to break it up, or you kind of go nuts a you little <laughs> bit. That's,
2: you do. Well, yeah, that's so I I did that, but no, I went things all data processor, and I went to Mitchell for a year, and I just got my associates because I wanted more liberal arts, and I said okay. I initially, had gotten into Con College out of high school, and then I said, "Well, my mother went there. I, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there and still train with Higgins." And so, then I went to Con College was a math major, Yeah. that type of thing. Okay.
0: And how had you finished your high school career? career
2: I, I won the state in the mile and the <laughs> You say that like a throwaway oh, thing. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I think I won. Well, I think I was the I, champion. Actually, back then it was <laughs> it was a it was a, <laughs> it was a the national high school record of 503. Whatever it was, it was a national, in the book, it was in yeah. the book, that was a national high school. That's score. a big deal. I mean, yeah. that, that's what would yeah. get a
0: Division One coach all over you today. Well, the
2: 455, and it, you know, yeah, that would... The times, but the a place, everything. there's a lot of people, everything. they're doing that now, there's a lot more of them, but at that point in time, absolutely, yeah.
1: Yeah. Now, you got a lot of your better times on indoor tracks. Did you like
2: indoor more? Well, to tell you the truth, I, um, because I was in Connecticut, I ran at Madison Square Garden a lot, and so okay. there's a lot of association in Canada, um... But I never really ran on the fast tracks. I ran on today. I, Madison Square Garden was 11 laps to the mile. Okay. Wow. Banked. Wow. So it wasn't fast. So one, that's what they go to one the of those Armory. Those old bank tracks. When yeah. they go to the Armory now, they're oh, the going to fast. In Boston. Time. Well, the Armory, in Bo- no, at Madison Square Garden. Oh, were, them, okay. So the Milrose Games. Say I won the Milrose Games in 4:13, 4:14. Well, that on at, at a track at the Armory is a lot faster. Yeah. So they never do that. They never compare those things, but. I think the fastest track I was on was at Dartmouth. I ran a 9:03 3000. when I was like 19 years old. You know, wow. People walking across the track. I just missed the American <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I, I did go to Canada in 1978 <laughs> indoors. I ran in Montreal on a 200 meter track. I set the world. I was the first woman under nine in 3000 indoor. Wow. But but because we were in Connecticut and I could train at the Coast Guard, we just did a lot of the meets, circuit meets. Okay. It's a big circuit back then. You know, it wasn't like, okay, I'm only going to do three meets and I'm going to have a rabbit in each event. You know, mm-hmm. you go from meet to meet, you know. You just go do it. You go into the Millrose, you're going to Olympic Invitational, you're going to Nationals. You're going here and then you're going to World Cross Country after you qualified in November for World Cross Country. So it was a continuous thing. It wasn't okay, just sit and rest in your laurels and we'll make sure you're sharp for the next race. You just you did it.
1: So when you were young, you saw these these Olympic athletes and you said, that's where I want to be. Right. When, was it the Olympics when you, or the trials, when you finally said, I made it, this is where I want to be? What was that moment, like when you felt like you were stepping onto the big stage, where you were reaching your your goal?
2: It was, the, I would say, when I made the Olympic team, considering that I was in second in the trials and one girl was here and one was here and one was here. Right. Yeah, you guys
0: were all bunched up together,
2: huh? We were all bunched up together. The night before that, Um, And back then, you didn't get breaks in between. You raced Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or you raced three days in a row.
1: Okay. So it was all
2: on the line, and there was no messing around, not a lot of rest. Um, The night before the Olympic trial final, um, my coach and a few other people and I were eating in a pretty popular restaurant. What what year was this? 76.
0: 76. So you'd done the Pan Am Games already. I won
2: the Pan Ams gold back in 75 I'd gone to I went to Mexico City I had actually went to Los Alamos with a team for 5 weeks of altitude and then we went down to Mexico City and then I won the gold quite easily but it wasn't a fast time but it was in October so it was really the training had shifted into cross country type training but, right. but
0: but Pan Am games is a big stage It's a
2: big stage back then because that was you know that was yeah cuz like people like Bill Toomey had won it and other people and So
0: help me out a little bit Olympics
2: So, Pan Am Games. Then
0: World, and then Pan Am somewhere under, and levels of, like, importance. Yeah, I would
2: say, back then, it was Pan Am. We had Pan Am Games, and then we had Olympics, and then we had World Cross Country. Okay. Okay. And then, in between all that, there were lots of dual meets with the Russians, or Soviet Union right or other countries There's oh a lot we'll of... talk about them yeah <laughs> I know I figured you would get to them <laughs> <laughs> we won't
0: we won't hammer you on no, no. it but, but it's, it's topical
1: now uh, at what point did you start to did the media exposure start was it when you made after the P- Olympic P-N-M P-N-M Games after the Pan Am Games yeah, Pan
2: Am Games and then I went indoors after we I Pan Am was in October Starting to get a lot of local publicity because back right. then it was only in the papers, and so I did. And then um, indoors, there was a big Millrose Games came up, and mm-hmm. it was the first fifteen hundred ever in the Millrose Games. Everything the years before had been eight hundred or less, so it's the first fifteen hundred. This big build up between some myself and Francie Larue, and I won. Yeah. Not just opened the whole the whole gates just opened right up now
1: yeah. and now one thing that I've read about you is that you didn't really like to talk to the media much and that makes me ask the question what makes that running show podcast so special that you are now gracing your your story with us I think I think I think, <laughs> yeah, right. well,
2: I, I think in truth that, that, that I've always had that trait carried along but I've always been a friendly person and I talk to people but yeah. it was the context Okay. Okay, and the context was that you know, just just as people are today, elite athletes, they say someone like I don't want to say Rupp, but one of these runners runs Roeberry, she's going to finish her race. Now, is she going to go grace and talk to people for an hour, or is she going to cool down first? Right. And so that's where that came about because I, that same year I won the PNA I won the Milrose Games, I came back at the Nationals, and I won the mile and the two mile within 45 minutes of each other in the Nationals. Okay. And the reporter from the New York Times wanted to talk to me right away. I said, no, can you just come across the street to my hotel in 40 minutes so I can freshen up a little bit. So that persona was
1: created because you didn't work on their schedule.
2: That's correct. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted them to work on my schedule. Even though I was a young person and my coach... I wanted I wanted a certain thing. I knew I had to do certain things to so to respect my body for my next race or my next training. Right. But back then it was like she's just a female, young female, let's go interview her. She'll give us the world. Yeah. So that was what that was about. So that carried and my my coach, he was protective. Which now they are all anyway, they have agents that protect them. Right. So it wasn't much different than now, but it was a different persona then. Now, with that being said,
1: <laughs> it, it, you say, you know, you say back then and now, would you prefer to be a, an Olympic athlete in today's Olympics versus then?
2: I think, I think if you were an Olympic athlete in today's Olympics, um, I think it was simpler then. I think it was, uh, I think it's become a more of a professional world. Okay. Um. And I can't say whether I'd prefer, you know, you don't know. Right. But, like, I'm reading about Rio, and they bring up all these different things, and everyone knows everything. Back then, I got telegraphs when I was at the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. You know, you get a telegraph from yeah. someone new from a camp I was at, like, five years ago, or people, neighbors, or people all over the country. It was more it was more unique because it wasn't stuff coming on your phone every two seconds. Right,
1: yeah. For our millennials out there, a, a telegraph is how people used to get text messages. That's correct. <laughs> That's right.
0: That's right. So when when— <laughs> I, I guess so. When you see, like in the '90s, we saw the Dream Team, and when you see more and more professionals, I think hockey does—they pro- allow professionals in now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: golf. Golf is a golf. Game? I was and surprised. I didn't even like, know that. T- is that something yeah. that sits well with you, or because to me that I think I have mixed emotions Olympic, about it. I, I think, yeah, well, it's professional, and and I think the Olympics back then was identified as you don't have a lot besides the sport itself. You don't have. I mean, I had backers shoes and that type of thing right and that, and then I got more backing as I got into my career but it was all about nothing about money or anything that's all yeah. making a team going there and doing the best you possibly could if you can make the finals I mean that to me was the ultimate right and it was there's no interference I didn't have anything interfering with me I mean a few people wanted to call and talk with me and stuff like that but there wasn't a lot and I was just striving for that that was the only thing in my mind I would I'd be training I know we Used to train at the outdoor Coast Guard track, which is a cinder track, to like six or seven, eight o'clock at night sometimes, and I would just be picturing the Ur- The Russian ladies in there, I'd be picturing people that could beat me, you know. Con- right. And I, but I was doing that myself. I didn't have to tell someone to go imagine it. Yeah. I did that. Right. I saw that stuff myself. I created my own psychology. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now you said you picked, you visualized the. I visualized these people, athletes. or
2: people, or people that were better. I mean, when I made the Olympic team. We just got word that the Russian ladies had run a three fifty five, and another one had run a three fifty six, and I ran a four oh seven to make the team. So I'm thinking, can I make the finals? I mean, and plus people like Berta White's, you know, four oh three, four oh two. I mean, there are all kinds of people in there.
1: Right. Yeah. So
2: you visualize that, and I still had, you know, you just, can I get to that? I don't know, you know.
1: Now, did you think about the fact that one thing that's come to light and one thing that's actually happening this year, especially with the Russian athletes, is, is the um, performance-enhancing drugs, yeah. steroids, anabolic steroids was a, a big issue. And it's been exposed since then, especially yeah. for East yeah. Germany. There are some athletes who are actually suing because they were forced to take mm-hmm. them it's on mm-hmm. part of the team. Systemic. Yeah. It's systemic. It's like some of them don't even know. They didn't
2: know. That was part of their culture. Exactly. And, it, and Did and, you and...
1: think about that going into the races? <sighs>
2: You know, I, I I thought about it, and I thought about it a lot after, you know, even before I, I, I did get, in the Olympics, I did get a chance to go over to the Soviet Union. Uh, we had a meet with the Russians or whatever in 1975. And right. I, I just noticed that the shot putters and the throwing ladies did, did not look normal. Yeah. And I noticed that, but I was only 19 years old. Right. And there were rumors. There were lots of rumors around. And the East Germans, you know, we actually, I actually visited East Germany in 1981, and... The same type, of everything was like secretive, and and, and and But you just took it for what they could do back then, and they were just strong and fast. I mean, it, within a race, the Russians like they they could like like pick it up to twenty eight seconds for two hundred, like really quickly. I mean, yeah. they were very fast. Right. And I, you know, I couldn't do that, but I managed in some of the meets with them where we had dual meets, two and two. I could break them up. I figured that out. A lot yeah. of times I broke them up because I'd run so hard in the middle. It, it, but a lot of the other Americans were afraid of that, so they'd wait and get out kicked anyway.
1: Okay, yeah. That,
2: that, so something was going on. Their training, um, maybe it was steroids, maybe it wasn't. I do no, know at the World Cross, I didn't have any trouble beating them. I mean, right. I beat them, but that was in March. Right. So I don't know what, maybe what was going on in their cycles. Exactly. Did you,
0: did you notice that they didn't exhaust and gas out or struggle in areas where they should have because i would think steroids when you get to from some of the things i've read you see a normal athlete start struggling to their finish and they, they look you, you know spent trying to get across and they just wouldn't gas out due to some of their
2: doping and steroids i, I don't regimen. know i don't know you know what they did yes, i just know here. i just know when yeah. i was in a race and the olympics <laughs> that i was 60 seconds my last 400 and i was three sec. i
0: Fair enough. <laughs> yeah,
2: and, and and they were banned. Some of them I you hear later were banned. The ones that beat me, like of the seven that beat me, I think six were banned in the next four years. Oh, six were banned. Four, five, or six. I can't. Because I that. know that
1: five of the seven who beat you were from the Eastern Bloc, and then there was Italian. There was a and, Bulgarian, you
2: know, the Italian Dorio the Bulgarian, a couple of Russians, and two of them are 34 years old. Well, a you, uh, peak in your but, 20s. Yeah, brigina actually I. Straight up a little friendship with her. She had won in '72. I'm not sure if she got caught later. I think she retired. She retired the next year because she gave me her warrant suit. She oh said, yeah. I'm retiring, Meryl. Here, here's your suit. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> um, she saw something in me. I think. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We had like, kind of this rep. We give gifts to each other all the time. Yeah. And that's
1: that's still common practice. Common practice, even though it's competitive. international. Exactly. There's a mutual respect for the other. So the East Germans,
2: I saw a girl from East German girl, run on track for track workout before the Olympics at the Olympic training track. And it was like, wow, how can she go that fast? I hope she's not in my race. (laughs) Right, (laughs) right. I think the same thing, I think. I just think kind of falling off. There we go.
1: Now, what was the testing process? Because they had only started testing, I think, at the Olympics prior to that. And, yeah. you know, as soon as they start testing, then certain athletes will find
2: ways well, to get around You're, you're talking to a person who's been tested a lot. You've been <laughs> tested a lot, so. Yeah, I was <laughs> tested a lot. How
0: did they test in 76?
2: I think it was random. Random. Yeah, and I can't remember what. Urine. What, blood, yeah, no, yeah, no, no, urine. just urine. And it was random, and it wasn't a big deal, but there was a lot of talk about the swimmers in East Germany. and, and The
1: swimmers and the weightlifters, there were yeah, a lot of people who um, were disqualified. And
2: then... I got you know. Where I used to get tested a lot. Was at the world cross country every year. I'd finish that bloody race and they'd pull me in, and then the Russians would come in, you know. Um, yeah. And like they'd be done in a minute. <laughs> like,
1: right. Yeah, yeah. Okay,
2: you're done. I I just ran pretty hard here, and I think I need some liquid. Right. You know, liquid yeah. Before. <laughs> Look
1: at that. They're already loaded <laughs> and Let ready to go. go. Who
2: yeah. knows? So, <laughs> and it's true. And 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 I and I remember when I was fifth in uh, Paris in eighty and. The World Cross, and we had a plane to catch, and, and they came in there, and the guy in charge of it was from the Soviet Union. Okay. Doping control.
1: Ah. So. So,
2: and I'm not making... No, not no, either, yeah, exactly. But, but there's no, there's no, you know, can't draw conclusions, but right. it was... Uh,
1: but it wasn't as tight as it was. And then all. the yeah, United
2: States it. wasn't tight either. I mean, they didn't start really testing us until, a lot more until maybe 83, 84-ish. Mm-hmm. It was more thorough.
1: Do you ever think to yourself, you know, was I cheated of a chance at the podium? and no, and no, no. you've never had any sort of.
2: I don't like get that. mad that way because it, it, everything played the cards because it played the cards out the way it You did. set
1: an American record. That's right. And but, in those games, it's
2: still like 12th or 15th in the country. So okay, yeah.
1: Now, what was your big moment? Like, do, do you have a moment that's still crystal clear in your head from walking into those games? Yes, where you just. You felt like you'd arrived, and you'll always hold that yes. close to your heart.
2: What was that? Uh, I mean? think when I was in the finals, and I was the only American in the finals, and they put my name up on the scoreboard. I have a picture of that. Yeah. Finals Olympics, you know.
1: And did that just did that eliminate the butterflies that you may have had? Yeah, I mean, uh, you
2: have butterflies. You know, that's what I tell kids. Everyone gets butterflies. But, right. But I, can, I had good control of that. You did. Yeah, I didn't know if people. Like I knew people in the stands, but I had no problem whether it was fifty thousand people or five thousand people. Okay. What What
0: was your method of, of, of controlling your uh, potential anxiety? Natural. It was natural for you. Like so, you you would go. I didn't a... talk.
2: I didn't, I didn't like to talk a lot before a race. I I had competitors that like to be warming up and yakking. I, I Me neither. No, I don't want go away.
0: No, I'm in my head. I'm thinking about what yeah. I I got to do. I imagine you were. I didn't want. I
2: didn't want to like disperse energy to anyone. I think that's the main thing. A lot of times, when you're nervous, you want to take energy. You don't realize it, but you're taking energy from other people. Yeah. And so, like, you know, babble talk like at the starting line, like at the Millbrook Examiner, you can get splits. Like, why would you like a competitor would say that? I'd go just run. Just run.
0: So, from <laughs> from one of your dual meets to your first time on a on a huge stage, I'm guessing being more like the Pan Am in '75 yeah. and then and then Olympics, not a major difference and and anxiety there for you. Well,
2: um no it was uh there were two big stages i knew that i had a chance at the gold medal in, in pan ams i knew it wasn't as much competition and i knew the europeans weren't there yeah and, and uh then i just took it day by day and so maybe the anxiety or was the same but i just tried to control yeah. it yeah I, I think other people around me got more nervous yeah you know i think that's too as a coach sometimes you know i found myself okay you're pacing back and forth and doing that. I I try to stop doing that and just kind of smile because, you know, you don't want to make your athlete nervous.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. when you broke the U.S. record, it was in, in the trials. Semis. In, in the, the semis. semis. And
2: I made it. It only took eight to the final, nine to the final, four from each heat the next fastest. I was okay. the next fastest. But
1: it was a 402 and f- you ran a 408. I ran Were the conditions f- different? Or oh, okay. Well,
2: we had the trials. That's that it. was one thing. Then the semis, it was the fast heat. I was in that fast heat with a 402. Okay. And what I did was I, my plan was to take the lead, which a lot of people don't do, no matter what it takes, with 250 meters to go, which is right in the middle of the backstretch. Right. And, and because I knew these people were faster than me, all okay. of them, right across the board. So you wanted to the set race that was fast in the semis, so that, that worked for me because it took, it took the sting out of them. Right. The second race. So I got around them, with 200 to go, held, held it, held it, and then like four people passed me right at the finish. <sighs> But it, it was on YouTube last year, the whole thing. Yeah. Three YouTubes, and then they took it off. It was on in Russian. I was looking for it, right. Yeah, it was in Russian. It was on maybe a couple of years ago, the whole, the heats. The, yeah. It, yeah. So then in the final, it was more tactical. It was too slow for me. I mean, it was too slow for me to be effective, that same plan. Right. Mm-hmm. And with 400 to go, all hell broke, broke loose, and, you know, everyone just sprinted. Right. Yeah. You know. I did, like, 60, and I got eight, 60 the last 400. <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: now, did you? Did, were you able to savor that moment, at least of breaking the U.S. See, I, record? I, I, or were I, I you do, more w- thinking about when, the next race? I,
2: I was thinking about the next race, but I knew, I couldn't believe it. I went in, the Olympic coach, Leuverie Walker, was in the, you know, one of the rooms off there with the, the TVs, and he goes, I go, I go, I told him, I said, I can't believe it. He said, well, you did it. And I said, I, I couldn't believe it, you know? Yeah. It was one of those happenings, it was like, how did this happen? Right. But it was all the hard training. I mean, I trained pretty hard. It wasn't just, you know, okay. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. I tra- <laughs> I, I, we'd, we'd gone out to Santa Barbara in like May or April, and I trained there for a month. And then we went up to Eugene, we stayed there for a month. And I came home and trained here in the heat. And so the heat here was comparable in Montreal, so the humidity was okay for me. Right. So it affected other people in different ways, but it was good for me. Mm-hmm. So I like hear from California going into the humidity a little more trouble.
1: Uh
0: huh. And some of them train in Colorado because they're a mile up, and then yeah. they and then they come back here and they're Superman, right? Yeah. I mean, they they can just respirate better. What was a typical day of tra- like you're when you're getting ready for the Olympics? W- what is uh, a typical day of training look like? Is it three, four workouts a day? Is there a oh, no, st- no, no, stretching no. regimen? Is there a cross training? They used to put us okay. in the pool sometimes. Uh, well, you know? well,
2: well, basically um, any any type of training I did, I did a lot of my. I didn't do any weight training. I did core training. I did medicine balls. So we, we went over to, in 75, over to West Germany, and we got created a program with all the medicine ball and fitness way ahead of everyone else. Mm-hmm. A little different than what people do today, but that kept me solid. Yeah. You know? I had that. So I had, I, met, I probably trained, out of seven days, I trained, I had 13 or 14 sessions. Okay? In the morning, would be a shorter session to prepare me for the after, afternoon session. And then two or three times a week, we did the core stuff. Okay. And so it probably, if you want to put in mileage, cause we didn't do mileage, we did minutes. We did a lot of interval training. But you could say that when I was in the Olympics, I probably was at a top 60, 65. But as my career progressed and I got stronger, I was handling up to 90 to 100, if not more. Wow.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of running. And the core? The and to, co- <laughs> to not get any. But
2: it, it was all the core was, it was small. C- we had these cards and they had pictures of the different things like they do today but it was done in a different context as you in different set theory and i always felt the set theory was better than just overloading concept so you do maybe a set of five exercises that are low intensity then you go to big intensity back to low or you'd coach would set it up yeah yeah
0: but that makes sense to me now because we had a a physical therapist on our last week our, our show and I was telling him, you know, getting older, and you know, when I'm breaking 40 miles a week, my lower back is so bad that I right. can really say because you overwork those hamstrings. You know what that's oh. like, right? So I mean, <laughs> yes. the core, the planks, and the medicine ball and stuff like this, I have to do that daily now, and I only have to do it for a like little bit. ten minutes, five ten minutes. Yeah. And I did that after three or four. I told him I was my running was doing great, but my hamstrings going to give out before long, probably right. in a long interval workout on a track. And he he had he said just. Start doing planks five minutes eight and I started feeling better. So that core training you were doing then is something that people are a lot more in tune with now. But they so overdo it. They overdo the core training. I think, think. – I, I underdo it.
2: I underdo it and I, I think I did the right amount. But I think a lot of people sometimes do a little too much. I mean mm-hmm. you, you I've seen collegiate runners, females running around with distorted stomachs. I mean yeah. so intensely – you know muscular yeah that i felt it's almost unhealthy and it causes this funny eating you know with
0: there's a lot of that and and this
1: especially when it's
2: right because your digestive system is affected i would think i'm right yeah. you know, i don't know you know it's like, very, it's all interesting stuff
1: <laughs> yeah kind of like a, what a corset would do to people uh, women back in the late 1800s <laughs> yeah
2: yeah but but right yeah, yeah i don't know but um
1: odd obscure it, reference there
2: yeah <laughs> right. but so, yeah, I don't know, you know, what they're doing is more a lot. They were, you know, it's just, it's a big emphasis. There's a big emphasis on it. I know when I was in college, it, it was like, oh, it's almost more important than the running. The running's the most important.
1: Yeah. Now when No, I agree. What, now, you kept competing. When did you finally, you know, realize that your peak years were were over?
2: I had a short career. I mean, I, I would say when I was about 30. Okay. I had ten good years. I mean I still won national yeah. titles, I still did all that stuff but I think you did plenty. I did a lot of stuff. <laughs> I did the world cross country was a really strong thing for me. Um but that was because it came right after indoor season so it was sharp.
0: Okay. <laughs> so were you mostly competing up until you were thirty? Is it was that yeah, your life? Yeah.
2: That was my life.
0: Did you work outside of
2: that? Not really. I, yeah. I did I did uh I do cross country, indoor, outdoor you know, that type of thing. I think I started substitute teaching and doing a little of that stuff. Yeah. And I got my, I went back and got my teaching credentials, but I, and I taught at Mitchell College a little bit. I taught yep. some junior math college courses and things. I did little bits.
1: It's, and it sounds like there was a lot of love for the cross country though. You yeah, really yeah. liked I, that.
2: I really liked that because of the fact that I didn't do it in high school and yet I could perform well later on in world, you know, better than most Americans mm-hmm. who had it. And yeah. Because it was, but it was a natural progression. Well, if I did it like they do it now in high school, like, you know, eight, ten races in the fall, that's a lot of stuff on a little girl, you know, 14 years old. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's a It's a time. lot, and now it's 5,000 meters. I mean, even when I had Liz Mueller, it was 4K, and that's why she'd always do well to the 5K at the end. She did you she...
1: always have enough access to races because there, there was a bit of a lopsided... Um, it was a more of a male-like... Male-dominated Europe. sport. There, we,
2: we, we had that headquarters in West Germany in Mainz. And there weren't as many races available to females as males in Europe. Right. Um, but I did get in a few of them. But it was not the same at all, and it was very limited over the, over the 800 meters.
1: Do you think that would have made a difference in yes, your
2: career? I, I, yes. Every 5,000, every world record I set in the 5,000, I led from start to finish. Yeah. Yeah. It would have made a, I mean, it, I would have run faster. How much faster, I don't know. I do know that when I set the American record in the 3,000 at, at um, Bislett Games, um, they wanted me to be a rabbit for Greta White's. Okay. But by doing so, I mean I set her up to run 8:30 something, and I ran 8:42, and I I finished. I still finished. I did 68 until I couldn't anymore. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So thinking, and I still th- finished, and they, you know gave me a little incentive too. So thinking, <laughs> thinking
0: of 76, uh, I I my guess is you figured we'd probably ask this question, but did you know Bruce now Caitlyn Jenner at the time? I met him. I yeah. met him at
2: the training camp up in. Um, up in New York State, I can't remember the name of the town, but one of those towns near the Canadian border, we had a training camp, Olympic training camp, and I he said, hi, nice, nice, happy-go-lucky guy. Yeah. And his event, coincidentally, was the same day as my event. I mean, I get out. Oh, they were. I got out, as a matter of fact, I got out, I was impressed with his 1500. Yeah. And that finished right before mine started, so he just won the gold medal. Yeah. All <laughs> oh, the is going he crazy. He got second
1: in that, correct? He won, he won. He won that one, But he was right, good in the right.
2: 1500. Yeah. Yeah, so. And that was the 400. Important.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so you remember that moment when he did finally win.
2: Yeah, well, he was running around around maybe then we came on. But see, you're staying underground. You don't know. It's not like today you know everything that's going on. Right. You just come out through a tunnel. You go back into this room like 30, 40 minutes before you race, and you're in there with people you're competing against. Yeah, yeah and
1: you and you weren't talking to anybody anyway. You were, yeah. you were, you were thinking about well, I wouldn't about have been able well, the yeah. Bulgarian
2: girl kept talking to me. She was a lot older and like, kind of like, she knew I was young. She was trying to intimidate me, I think. She was
1: trying to get into your head.
2: Like I had a hairband and it fell off and she pointed at it. And, you know. <laughs> so were you, were you, were,
0: <laughs> were you there for his American flag moment? Even? I know, but,
2: I wasn't. I think yeah. it just happened. And then, and then another guy one of the days set the world record in the Garderud from Sweden had set the, World record in the steeplechase right before I went off. Mm-hmm. Huh. I was out in the warm-up field with. Him. I mean, you know, but back then you don't know all that. Lasse Viran was running around all the time in the park. There's a park outside. And yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's stuff that people don't really believe, but yeah, it's happening. Right.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, outside of that Olympic moment when you had your name on the billboard, <laughs> what was uh, was there another moment when you won a race, won a gold, and it was a moving moment for you?
2: I, I think. I think that it was moving when i got the silver medal at world cross yeah yeah that was huge for interesting
1: me. the silver medal at world cross and not one of the gold medals at the pan am's oh
2: well, the pan am golds, oh they were big but the the first one was bigger than the second the first second one was in puerto rico and um it was big i mean it was huge because they're playing the american the star spangled banner and right so you're going up in the stand just like the olympics yeah that was cool but i i think that silver medal was like i in 81 versus 76 five years later being able to do that was pretty big cause, you know, silver, metal, and world cross. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Tell us about the moment.
2: I just got through the line and there were like three people right behind me. I said, Thank God I, I held them off at the end. I just had a great race. It's one of those races where and I've had those moments too, where you get everything into race was clicking everything click. I ran a race once in Cologne in seventy six. I won. I ran a four oh five. I felt like I was jogging. Let from yeah. start to finish. It just felt like thin wow. air. Thin air.
0: It's great when you're when you're in the middle of a good race and you know it. You know, <laughs> you you know, know it that's It's a great airy. Feeling. I call
2: it airy. There's nothing, nothing There's stopping. nothing like it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So I think that world cross and you know but that doesn't happen all the time.
0: No, it never happened for <laughs> me. It never <laughs> even came close. <laughs> so it's clearly.
1: Now now you've you've so then you competed also in um um some I did some senior levels and, and
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh when I turned fifty, uh, you know, it it's really interesting that a lot of people that do well in senior level really didn't do a lot when they were younger.
1: They, because so they're the body can take it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't have the mileage. And
2: I just said to my husband, I wanna do it and so for a couple of years I I was not really in like people say, Oh you're still fast. No. I'm when I say I go slow now, I go slow. Jogging, but what back, what is slow now? slow is slow, really slow
1: oh, what do you so what's your average run like distance that you like? To I
2: don't ride? even go how far I, go. I probably go four or five miles four or five miles in forty fifty minutes I don't know
0: okay, yeah, I just Did you bring your race shoes today. No, me versus you no, three no. miles <laughs> you'd beat me <laughs> 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 I'm
2: coming I'm coming off injuries and, yeah, oh, yeah fair
0: enough. I'll save myself the embarrassment so
1: um, now you've you've graduated into coaching
2: right. That's a whole nother, cha- yeah, right.
1: That's another chapter. But, but it's all, it's all revolving.
2: It's all revolving. It's teaching and giving back. It's all part of my...
1: Has that been a growing up process as well? Yes,
2: absolutely. It's the same thing. You're learning and learning and learning and, and applying what you know um, okay. to your students. And I call them students because you're trying to teach. It's a teaching thing. It's a give and take. You're a teacher and a learner. Yeah. And coaching is an art and a science. Now, so how do you, like you said about the science earlier, there's still an art to all that kind of stuff. So how do you figure that balance for each kid?
1: Exactly. Yeah. You, you could say, you're right, the same way a medication could, you know, you could, It's uh, an an art a science. Could, like, yeah. but it affects everybody differently, differently. And, and everybody, mm-hmm. yeah, has a different reaction Everyone to something. Everyone has a
2: different reaction. Do they react? I mean, they react well to what you present them. And generally I have a feeling that what I'm presenting them in the distance middle distance stuff, is it's going to work eventually and help them get better, Mm -hmm. but it can be, you know, and sometimes these kids do, they break through, but if they don't have the talent, sometimes it doesn't work. So what what do you... Being
1: a coach as long as you've been a coach, parenting behavior has gotten a little crazy over the last several decades. Do you think that it's an issue that's been growing or do you think that's just a problem that's always existed? I think it's
2: always existed. I think that the parents have always been there, but they have, the parents have more access now. Yeah. They have to, to techniques, to coaching, to all that. And um, Personally, they've been, you know, from when I was at Waterford High School and to Rutgers University, and then now they're all, like, the same. There's You're always going to get one or two. I mean, Actually, I didn't have any this year. This year was great, but... You get one or two that are totally involved, they're helicopter parents, is that mm-hmm. that's yeah, the name? Yeah, that is the term, yes. And you just can't, you know, whatever you do is wrong, and, and that type of thing. Or they know better. or but They know better, Or they yeah. tell, well, my daughter did this training program over the summer, or this one, or that one, and just in one or out the other. Oh, and, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Everybody has access to the internet, so they think, yeah, there's a lot of self-diagnosis think, going on. There's th- a lot of, you know.
2: I think in high school, you know, you're not recruiting the athletes, so you're given what you're given. In college, you, you, they're recruited, so the expectations are different from them. But then, once then in college, if you are a Division One level, um, it's like you're forced to get these kids better faster. So maybe in the process, it's not as natural a process. So injuries become more frequent sometimes. Yeah. Because okay, a kid comes in a five ten miler, and boom, boy, I, if they do the training, they're going to run 4:58, and they do. But mm-hmm. their bodies aren't ready for that,
1: and not no and so time then they, they, they
2: struggle their junior seniors. that happens a couple a couple times while well, in high school it's just just take it as they go, and with boys by the junior senior, they're stronger with girls, they're starting to think about it
0: mm hmm so yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to ask so for so you're coaching is it old old Saybrook high school yes, and you're coaching the boys right now?
2: I coach the boys, but I did the distance. Uh, distance the whole year from, from re- December, you know, into.
0: I'm interested in what you recommend if somebody's doing an 800 or a mile. Right. What you recommend uh, as a warm up
2: process,
0: uh, right. kind of stretching versus like more bounding and kicks and things like that. Because <laughs> I, I I've gotten some mixed stuff. I'm I've always overstretched and I've recently been told that that's not going to help you.
2: Well, it's once again we're going to uniqueness of individual, but I always felt. I always did have the kids do what I did. You always go for a 15-minute run or jog to start out. Yeah. Preferably in the grass, nice soft surface. Yes, I do that. And do some stretching, and, you know, I try to teach them 5 to 10 exercises, whether they do them or don't do them, Mm -hmm. you know, that type of thing. But I don't like too too much proactivity with young kids. In other words, too much over, like, bounding and all that kind of stuff. That's got to be in a certain setting. Yeah. You got to be very careful with plyometrics. I... I like to shuffle, and
0: the, to do like a light kind of jog, and, and you're saying that's something... Nice you, and easy. Yeah, yeah that, nice okay. and easy, nice I'm and easy. I'm with you there.
2: But, but, but the coordination drills and all the stuff they do with high knees and kickbacks and all that... And too I, much? Well, sometimes they go too far, but they go too fast forward. They don't, you need to do it in a shorter increment. and needs to be done in a faster motion. So you're, warm, you're actually getting all these things quicker than when you're going to actually run. Yeah. So that some of them do. They do the drills like I said, too far, not slow enough to perfect the exact coordination. You know how the how it connects. In other words, with high knees, they just go fast forward, but they don't do it so right. So they do all the proper connections within the hips to the knees to the feet. Right. So they're all over the place, and their backs are in the wrong positions. They're not standing tall, or they do the kickbacks, and they're you're trying to get the the foot flex back like it would be when you're running hard or things like that, but they don't go slow enough to perfect it. I learned all of my drills, I call them coordination drills over in Europe, and it was just three, three, three sets of three, each 15 meters, but they were good. They did the job, or then you could do a lot of different things, So, but there's a lot of debate on, you know, so but I, I have a certain pattern in a way, and, and so after they do the stretching, then we do something called shake-ups. We do like 10 shake-ups, which is 100 meters with... Ten minutes, ten with walking in between. So you're walking, you're walking, and then you do and in the shakeups you're doing skipping and whatnot. And every so often you do a build up, but your build up is where you build up. It's not a sprint, so you build up for 100 meters. There's a difference. Yeah. It's a lot of kids just sprint. So I find that in high school a lot of kids don't really know how to warm up.
0: Do so you don't recommend a lot of static stretching.
2: Oh, static stretching, yeah. It depends what what they're doing. You mean like you know, I, like
0: not like just. Like right here, if I if I'm keeping my legs straight and yeah. leaning in, like that's s-
2: fine. That's good stuff. Right, but 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 but
0: but you don't. Do you recommend like a like a couple minutes of it, or more like ten or fifteen minutes of it? We cause... do about
2: ten or fifteen minutes. Okay, so that's it, what I that's what general, I always do. But, but each did. kids are specific. I mean, they have different parts of their body that are tight and not tight, and they yeah. know um, that type of thing. With high school, it's you, you try to just perfect a few things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now,
1: being a high school coach, um, you know, I think you know one thing that makes a great coach is having a lot of knowledge and experience over the years. But the more you coach, and the more, I mean, you've been a runner a majority of your life now. There's a certain level of wisdom that also comes with that
2: experience and wisdom. Yeah. Now, you can see a a mistake. You can see if someone's making a mistake with how they're putting their kids or something. You can see it. You see things. You can see it before it happens.
1: Is there any sort of wisdom that you wish was passed on to you when you were a young runner in the high school years and into college years that now you
2: pass on to your younger runners? Look at the whole picture.
1: Look at the whole picture.
2: Look at the whole picture. Let's look at the whole picture. Like, here's a season. Here's one meet in the season. Look at what's happening here. Look what's happening in three years. How is that, you know, I've been a runner. I wasn't even looking for any type of career because I was supported by, you know, Adidas or whatever. And right. so look at the whole picture of what's going on here. I never looked at the whole picture. Yeah. Well, yeah. you kind of did
1: say, look at the whole picture because you said to yourself one day, I want to yeah, be those folks picture, in the Yeah, that picture,
2: that picture. Yeah, I looked at that picture. But I would say to kids, you know, when they're getting ready for exams and things like, I said, look at the whole picture. In a few weeks, you're going to be out of school. You know, you can relax. Um, right. A lot of that type of stuff I talked to them about. Um, you know, I try not to, if an athlete doesn't perform up to expectations, that's, not, that's something to dwell, get into right away. Okay. It's something to talk about maybe the day later when we all can think about it, coach included.
1: Because they know.
2: They know. They yeah. know. They know when they don't do well. There's no reason to beat it down.
1: Harp on them right then and no. there. No, no. So let's say old Saybrook
0: has a, uh, a 10K for some charity that's a little bit close to your heart. You go out and you do that race. Do you do you kind of do your own pace? Do you not do the race, or do you compete hard? My guess is you kind I'd of. I'd probably do your... go there and stand there. <laughs> <laughs> You'd offer to. Uh... I don't like
2: to run any race roads. I, I I'm I live near Harkins. I just go, I, I that running, jogging for me when I can, is my own space during the day that I want. It's private. It's one thing I only yeah. only thing I take. For myself there. Right. And I try to do that on a daily basis if I can.
0: So that's like your meditation of sorts?
2: Yeah. That's, yeah. So yes. si-
0: silence or music or just no, thinking? Just
2: quiet. I, I live a mile from Harkness. I drive my car over there. I know people there that walk with their dogs and all that kind of stuff. And I just go there and just go. I don't even know how far I'm going. I just do it. I have no music. No, I don't like the music. I just
1: listen to your breathing, listen to the world around world
2: you and look at the water and that type of thing. That's the only thing I take for myself. I read everything else I want to give.
1: What do you think about all the
0: gadgets and the GPS and uh, now for, I see you waving your hand for the birds, huh? I
2: used to train at <laughs> Conn College and I'd look at the, there was a, a chapel and there's a clock and coach would say, go for an hour. I said, okay, coach. When the hour was up, I came back, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. But I knew it was a 15K course. I knew what about it was or we'd have, I ran a lot of controlled running on grass areas like a thousand meters. So I knew how far I was going, but. I never used a GPS or heart monitor.
0: I found that when my GPS or something, the battery might be dead. Oh, it makes you crazy. I, 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 do, I do a race without it, and I run just as well
1: as I did with the thing. And, I and, run better. Yeah. I yeah. run better right? because I'm not holding myself to an expectation I, on that. I mean, my right. husband, right.
2: yeah, right. I, I agree. My husband bought me one, and it wore out, or the battery went dead. <laughs> right? It doesn't seem like
0: <laughs> the, your thing. The, but yeah. he bikes.
2: He's an avid viper, biker, so he loves all They love the gadgets. They, they yeah. love that, and... Um, I just like to be free of that. I do have my watch, but I go by minutes. I think, yeah, I have uh, my Iron Man. I just turned 60 years old. Why, do, who am I competing against? <laughs> yeah. I just want to be healthy. I didn't run like, I've had two different, in, like, I don't know what they were, quad injuries and over the last year. I'm just happy to get out there and do something. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I Tired, I'm, I'm of, with tired you. of swimming in a pool, you know? Yeah, no. <laughs> That's what happens, though. You have to find alternatives.
0: I do. I mean, I do. So you must mix in the, in, in the pool as well.
2: Yeah, I do. I do actually. I go to the YMCA and stuff and swim there.
1: Well, I can see that your team is starting oh, to pile up over them. there. No, that's yeah. not them. No, your those practice are, that's, starts that's at 4:30. Five. Oh, at five o'clock. That, okay. Those are
2: the old. Those are high school. Those are the high school kids. We got five-year-olds. What? Oh, this is youth. The, the, it's okay. five to um thirteen. Oh, okay. So it's.
1: And you're doing that with Coach Capizone.
2: Cap is great. He's he, Isn't he's, he great? he's wonderful with my his girls kids. are in a
1: lot of his yeah, programs. He
2: um he's got a gift. To, you know, it may not appear to be all perfectly perfectly organized but it is he has in his mind and he goes and he talks to them and teaches them Mm -hmm. about the different events and i'm just there to help out when i can you know he's been great yeah it's been a really good culture
1: you don't you don't push those five-year-olds too hard then
2: no i think the main thing (laughs) is to teach them a little bit they're just having fun and And exactly three hours so it's a long yeah i
1: have my little girls so Uh, i go out running with them they're mm -hmm. nine and seven and you know three and i just I just encourage them to go out and enjoy Have themselves. Fun. Exactly. Have fun. Don't want to get them. I don't want to frustrate them. I'm not right. trying to live my life through their uh, no. through their world. Is,
0: okay. is it a welcome change from your from your coaching at Rutgers now? Different pace or?
2: It's funny. I was. My husband's going. Are you leaving again? Because I went to the, the, uh dinner last night and I'm doing this camp all week, and <laughs> right. It's it's um it's a different pace. I mean it's I'm busier while I'm home. Um, and, it, and it's high school pace where there's just meet after meet after meet after meet, but it's fun. Yeah. Um, Rutgers was fun, but the meets are like, it, it, there weren't a lot. I mean, and you had to be on, you know, for every single one. I mm-hmm. mean, right. it was, you have to be on. I mean, you may have a kid racing four or five times in a season, and they got to be on on each each one. But that was fun, too, in itself, because, you know, you can see kids improve the same way you do in high school. Um, the tough part about that was, um, Recruiting kids to go to a campus that has five campuses. Uh Uh-huh. You know, it's sprawling five and a half miles. I mean, it's a huge place. And it takes a certain type of student-athlete to want to do that. Yeah. Take buses from here to there. And I kind of like... It would be like someone who likes to go to a military academy. but Because you have to set up your own schedule between campuses and...
1: Speaking of which, it looks like we've got a military yeah. helicopter flying overhead right now. Part of the fun <laughs>
2: but, of
0: doing a podcast outdoors, But I, I, I gained
2: a lot, you know, as a coach. Like I was saying, I'm always teaching and learning. I learned a lot, and um, I had fun. met a lot of different types of people. And then I came home, and I said, you know, my mother, who's 94, said, hey, why don't you go do some high school stuff? And I said, oh, I just want to take some downtime. <laughs> yeah. So, so I went and did the coaching certification last summer, and, and then the job opened up, and I, I locked out. I got a good place, you know, great place. So yeah. let,
0: let's say I'm on your team. I'd say, uh, Coach uh, Merrill Moran, I'm going to um – This summer, one of the races I'm going to do with my brother is a a tough mudder. These things get popular. And I'm going to roll. I don't do them personally. I'm going to roll around in mud and climb fences and jump through fire and barbed wire. And then then what's your response?
2: I just say have fun. (laughs) Okay. Have fun. Don't get hurt. But because that is something new to me that I didn't know, a lot of the kids' senior class projects are stuff like that. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm going to go do a half marathon. I'm going to go do the mudder. Yes. Huh. Yeah, one boy, tough we had a jumper, and he was a triple long jumper. And one day after we had a invitational, he went and did a half marathon the next day. Oh, nice. Right, but kind of affected him for a week. Because right. He, he wasn't a distance runner, but that was his senior class project. Huh? So they all have to have senior class projects. So I always, what I do with that, because I could be their grandparent, I just say, go have fun, enjoy.
0: Yeah. What yeah. are you going to
2: tell them? No? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I guess you
0: can't, really. But... No, you can't.
2: No, in college you might. Say, hey, no I mean, thing. I had
0: coaches in middle school. They were like, like if I see you on that skateboard one more time, oh I know, you know, and, and
2: I. That's one thing that gets me. Like they take a ball or football and start passing it around, and it's close to a meet. And yeah. I just go, oh. Yeah. yeah.
0: What are you gonna do? <laughs> and then the ones who think
2: that they're are not gonna do it do it too, and then it's like, oh. But so, it... But they're having their fun. They're only in high school. Yeah. You got to let it flow the way it's gonna flow.
1: Right.
0: But I imagine at Rutgers, you could be a little more strict with some of that stuff.
2: Yeah, and but the girls I coach, I coached middle distance and distance girls. They were pretty organized. They had okay. to be to get their practice on time and do all that. And they didn't you know, mess around until they did. I remember one girl was sledding or something and hurt her eye or mm-hmm. whatever. But they never really tell you what happened. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah they come back. What happened? You, well, I had an accident. Well, can you tell me a little bit more? And I, Okay, I don't need to know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Things like that would happen sometimes. Yeah. I, oh, I got a concussion over the You Oh, know? okay. Uh,
1: <laughs> now, we have the Olympics coming up at the end of the summer. Right. And having been there yourself, it, 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 is there any sort of advice that you would give Olympians going into the Olympics this year? I mean, if there was one thing that you could tell um, an Olympic athlete, what would that be?
2: I would say if it's possible and it doesn't affect your event, go to the opening ceremonies, try to enjoy it, even though you're competing at the highest of level, and then get ready for your event how you get ready for your event. That's fine. You have to isolate yourself or whatever you need to do, but enjoy it because you don't know if it's your first or your last experience at the Olympics.
1: Did you do that yourself?
2: I went to the opening ceremonies, and I tried to relax. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: so it's easier said than done very well, much. Well, <laughs>
2: well, uh, when we went and we got our dorm, you know, we stayed in the Olympic Village. It was different then. I mean, a lot of these athletes now stay out in hotels, and they're right. up to their, we, we, we stayed right in the Olympic Village. I walked in, and my competitor, my people that were with me in the 1500 team, the two other ladies, we walked in, and there was like three beds in the open area and then private rooms. They all grabbed the private rooms. I was in the open area.
1: Right, yeah, right. I
2: just said, do what you need to do. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You need your privacy, but I figured it out. There's a nice park. Go rest out there. But you do need to rest on. You do need to. There is a preparation time. There's a time to have a little enjoyment, and there's time to focus. And
0: right. is your DVR taping eight hours of track and field uh, well, when the Olympics come my along? My husband's or?
2: in charge of that, and I'm sure he will he does all the track. We watch everything. So Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: that's cool I will too well thank you very much for joining I us today it. thank it, you yes, very much it was great to hear and actually live your life a little bit well, thank through you. your stories I appreciate it and, um, and uh, is there any parting words that you'd have for any of uh, the runners out there uh, as far as uh, the Olympics coming up anything else is there any sort of events that you're doing that you'll be showing up at
2: um no right now I'm just doing the camp here just at Old City. just doing Saver- your camp, camp and... here at Old uh, here at, at Valley Regional and then another week two weeks for doing one adult sabre
1: and passing on the wisdom that's right thank you that's so good. much and thank you for joining us on that running show